0: amazing to think and believe that God is with you right now, that he's here with you, and he's here with us. Let's pray together. Oh God, sometimes it's hard to believe that you're with us when we can't see you, and we can't see all that you're doing and all that's going on in the spiritual realm but we believe as people of faith that you're here with us right now. Right now as we watch on a screen, right now as we seek you in prayer, that you're with us. You'll never, ever leave us. Thank you, God. In Jesus' name, amen. I've got this one sermon that I've preached so many times. Like I've preached it more than any other sermon that I've preached. It's not even close, actually, for me. I mean, actually, most weeks I come up and preach a different sermon, sometimes the same stories, I get it, but a different sermon. But I've got this one sermon that I wrote when I was a young preacher, 19, 20 years old, you see, I was told by some older pastors, some of my mentors, they said, you know, Jacob, you need to have a sermon that you take on the road. You need to have like a good sermon. You don't need to take new material somewhere. So if you travel, you need to have this one sermon. And back in those days, at least, uh, in the tradition I grew up in, in the Methodist church, there were many different revivals that would take place at these small rural uh, country churches. And a revival is just something where you have people come back, usually on a Sunday night, and then it keeps going throughout the week, like until the Holy Spirit leaves, or usually Wednesday night. Usually Wednesday nights when the Holy Spirit would leave, but you would, you would go and preach these nightly uh, services. And, you know, it's like, who are you going to get? on a Tuesday night to come out into the middle of the country and preach a sermon. And the answer is, this guy. And so I had this sermon that I would take to uh, Bellbuckle or Canesville, Tennessee, or Tellum at the foot of Mont Mountain. I would drive to these little country churches, and revival would actually take place in the hearts of Christians. And I had this sermon. It's an odd revival sermon. But for some reason, I just started preaching it over and over and over In fact, it almost felt like as a young pastor that God was commanding me to say those words over and over and over, and I didn't even quite understand why. But I would go and I would offer this this same (laughs) sermon over and over again. It's like it was getting preached into my mind and my heart and my life. I realized something, though, just recently, and that's what I wanted to share with you today, is that for all those years... I thought that that sermon, which I preached to rural churches and then as a pastor who began to go around the country, I preached it all over the country, I wrote it into a chapter in a book that I know thousands of people have heard this little sermon I wrote when I was young, that I always thought that sermon was for the people I was preaching to. I want you to know that like, I, didn't, I didn't do it just as a routine. Like Every time I would pray that God would work through it, that the Spirit would speak, that it would mean something for Jesus Christ church. But it wasn't until actually this season that I realized maybe the whole sermon was for me to hear, that I had to get it lodged in my mind and lodged in my heart. That that sermon was actually preparing me for this moment in my life, and I figured out that the time is now. So I'm doing something a little bit different with you today, and that is I'm gonna step out of the Philippians study that we were in, uh, we're going to jump back in it next week. We'll still be in the Lifelines series, as you will see, but I'm going to step out because I feel like God is asking me to do that because I think that this old sermon for me actually has something to say to us right now. You be the judge. (laughs) So here's how the sermon starts. I say, have you ever had an experience at maybe a restaurant or some establishment where after it was over, you said... I will never go back to that place again. Have you ever said that? You know, like the service was so bad, or maybe it was a hotel and the accommodations weren't as advertised, and you say this, we have this kind of grandiose statement and say, I will never return uh, to that establishment again. As long as I live, I will never darken the door again. I don't know if you've ever said anything like that, but if you had, you know that very soon after you say it, you'll be tested. Like there'll be a moment where you'll have this chance to go back. It happened to me when I was a young dad and I took my, at the time my oldest daughter was maybe three years old, and I took her to this uh, pizza eatery that caters to children. I won't say the name of it because it's not that great of a story about this place, but it's this pizza eatery that caters to children. It has games and that kind of thing. And so I took young Mary there, and after she had been um, you know, filled with sugar and was having sensory overload and had been scared more than once by this animatronic mouse, I said to anyone who was listening, which just happened to be Mary, I said, I will never come back to this establishment again. So you know what happened. A few weeks later, I found myself back at our local mall, this time pushing a double stroller that had Mary and our little uh, baby Lydia in it. And we were shopping there at the mall, and somehow in the midst of that, my wife Rachel looks at me and she says, I'm gonna keep on shopping. I want you to take the girls down to play at Chuck E. Cheese. And I'm like, she knew, right? <laughs> I know I outed Chuck E. Cheese, but you know. Uh, she knew that I had said I would never go back. I looked at her like, what? I felt betrayed. Uh, And I'm being silly, right? I'm joking about this story, but I'm not being silly about this. I can still remember the way that it felt when I turned that double stroller around and started heading back to the place that I said I would never go back to again. And so, this old sermon of mine that I've preached a bunch of times, the scripture that I've worn out, is situated in the story of God's people when they were in the wilderness and they found themselves tempted to go back to where they said they'd never go again. Here's the story in a nutshell. Moses finds himself in his own wilderness staring at a bush that's on fire and it won't burn up. And then the voice of God starts speaking to Moses out of the burning bush and he tells Moses that he will be the one to go back and set his people free from slavery. This is a crazy thing for Moses who's just realized that he is no longer a prince of Egypt as he had grown up in the house of the palace after he had murdered someone who was attacking uh, the Hebrew slaves. And so Moses is out in the wilderness and now here God is telling him to go back. And Moses says, you got the wrong guy, right? He's sitting there thinking, I'm a fugitive on the run. And God says, I've chosen you, Moses. Moses says, you've got the wrong guy. I'm not a public speaker. I can't go and speak to a king. And God says, I'll give you the words. And for every argument that Moses has to the the God at the burning bush, every argument he has, God has an answer, and God does not change God's mind. And so Moses goes back. It's a long story, but what happens is he leads the Hebrew people who'd been enslaved for centuries out of Egypt, and they become this ragtag nation on the run in the wilderness, and no sooner had they gotten out into the desert that they found themselves at an impasse On one side of them was an impassable body of water, the Red Sea, and on the other side was the sound of the thundering hooves and the chariots of the largest army in the known world coming to take them out. There stood Moses, he'd been given this vision that they were supposed to go somewhere, and they're stuck. And the Hebrew people say to Moses, it's their first time to say it, they say, what, Moses, did you bring us out into the wilderness to die? Weren't there enough graves back in Egypt? But you see, Moses, it wasn't that long since he saw a, bur- a bush burning up and God speaking to him, and he says, hey, everybody, stand still. See what the Lord's gonna do. And he raises his staff. I hope you heard the story. And the Red Sea, which before was impassable, splits, and Moses leads the people right through the water. The way maker God makes a way where there was no way. And that becomes their story. Traveling through wilderness, And they come to a place, and they're like, we're not going to make it. And Moses remembers the vision. He says, we're going to make it. And God makes a way. One of the most striking examples of this is the people are out in the wilderness, and they have nothing to eat. And so they go to Moses, and they say, what, did you bring us out into the wilderness to starve? And Moses goes to God. He can still see the burning embers, the burning bush, and says, God, I know you brought us here for a reason, but we're starving. And God says, in the morning, there'll be bread on the ground. Moses goes and tells the people to be ready in the morning, there'll be bread on the ground. What, bread on the ground? I've often tried to think about what it must have been like, those Israelites laying in their tents that first morning, listening to the rumbling of their babies' bellies, holding the hand of a spouse, and then getting up and walking out and seeing on the morning floor of the desert what looks like snow, bread everywhere. Super cool. But I've also thought that maybe something more amazing than the first morning that God brought manna from heaven, bread on the ground, was the second morning when they laid in their tents and they wondered, is God going to do it again? And guess what? He did it again, and again, and again, and again, and again, and again. But there's this thing that happens not days into the wilderness, not weeks into the wilderness, not even a few months into the wilderness, but month after month after month after month. It's crazy. But even the miraculous bread from heaven can get old to the people of God. I wanna read this story to you. It happens in Numbers chapter 11. And it says the rabble with them, that's just some people who joined up with the Israelites, they gave them this kind of bad name, the rabble, with them began to crave other food, so like other than the bread. And again, the Israelites started wailing, so they joined in, and they'd already been saying it. And they said, if only we had meat to eat. They said, if only we had meat to eat, we remember the fish that we ate in Egypt at no cost, free fish, also the cucumbers and the melons, leeks, onions, and garlic. They're remembering what Egypt was like. And they said, but now we've lost our appetite. We never see anything but this bread. Numbers chapter 11 goes on to explain the bread in excruciating detail. If you were to read on, it's just like, oh, my gosh, this bread, it sounds so, so, so dull and so old and so, uh, so used to it. But you see what had happened in this moment, right? The Israelites were sitting around at camp one night, and somebody just said, man, I remember we had meat back in Egypt he's like, you remember the meat? They're like, yeah, we remember the meat. And somebody says, and cucumbers. <laughs> like, that's my favorite part. They're like, that's when it's bad, right? Like, if your boy's, like, uh, talking about cucumbers gone by, uh, bad stuff's about to happen. <laughs> and then I picture it from the shadows. Maybe they're sitting around a campfire. You hear somebody say this thing that they're not supposed to say, but they got to the point. They, they went too far. And somebody says... We should just go back to Egypt. It's at this moment in the story that Moses has a breakdown. Like a full-fledged, I've been in the wilderness too long, breakdown. The burning bush is in ashes at this point. Whereas before time and time again, Moses could go back to the vision back to the bush, back to the voice, remind himself, and then remind the people. But when he heard the wailing of people at their tent saying, Moses, take us back to Pharaoh, he just lost And Moses actually says, it's crazy, he actually says, God, if this is the way it's going to be, just kill me. So this sermon that I've preached year after year after year is about a people who've been in the wilderness so long, they're just flat out worn out, and they can hardly even remember what the vision is. And in the sermon, I would always talk about the lies that you hear in those moments, and then the truth that God speaks so clearly if we're listening. The first lie is this, you won't have all you need. You know... I don't know if you noticed but the people of Israel they had everything they needed bread on the ground they didn't have steak every night but they did have everything they needed and do you know what happened to me when this pandemic started it actually started when we didn't have worship in this room anymore which was something a pastor is not used to at all it shook me I'm going to be real with you this morning and I remember thinking I remember hearing the lie Jacob you're not gonna have all that you need. You're not gonna have all that you need. You're not gonna have all the good sermons that you need to get through this. You're not gonna have all the technology that you need to get through this. You're not gonna have all the money that the church needs to, to, to fund its ministries in this time. And I literally got down on my knees in March at the beginning of this pandemic in this little makeshift office I'd made in our bonus room so I could do all my Zoom calls. And I said, God, are we gonna have all that we need for this? And guess what? Guess what we've had? Everything that we need. See, The truth is we'll have everything that we need. The truth is, 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 yeah, we won't have a steak every night, but we'll have everything that we need. I need you to hear that right now, okay? Like if you're wondering, what's the truth right now? And maybe you've heard so many lies that it's been hard to, to distinguish what, what's really real and what's really God. Well, the truth is, in the wilderness, God will provide everything you need. The second lie is this. It's crazy. The second lie is it would just be better to go back. I smile right now because for 20 years in this sermon, I've picked on the Hebrew people, <laughs> and I've said, can you believe that they thought it would go, be better to go back to Egypt? You see, the place that God is leading us is always better than the place that we came from. If we're following God, and if we're following the vision, it's always better to go where God is leading us, even if it doesn't seem like it. We have to follow God faithfully. And do you know when quarantine hit and pandemic hit, and as week went into month after month, where I have wanted to go back to? Not back to Egypt, but back to February. Back to a time before A tornado hit our city and knocked down our schools before every storm cloud made our children afraid. I wanted to go back to February, back to a time before a virus scared us and isolated us and divided us, then back to a time. (laughs) When it was hard for me to count how many baptisms we'd have on this stage back to a time when we filled this room up, time after time, I have to be honest with you and say, I've longed to go back, and God has reminded me that he will never lead his people back to where they came from, but he will lead us on a journey that will feel longer than we want to take us to a place we've never been before. And so. That's what we've been talking about all summer. We have to guard our minds and guard our hearts and guard our words and trust in the Spirit, a Spirit that's working in us, a Spirit that promises to finish the work and complete what God started in us. You see, we're not gonna go back to February or 2019 or whatever time that's been in your mind is better than right now because God is leading us to the promised land too. God has promises for us that he will fulfill and we have to be faithful to follow God into the promised land. There's one more lie here in this story. It's the worst one and it's that you'll have to do it all alone. That's what began to break Moses down. Somehow he had begun to hear a lie that the burden of the moment was all resting on his shoulders and it broke him down to the place where he was calling out to God. If you're up for it, God, just take me out. And you have to know that this lie has been pervasive during pandemic, that in a time we've isolated and pulled away, there have been many people who have heard and are hearing this is all on you. You're all alone. Even there's people within sight, but they're hearing, you're all alone. And the message of the wilderness is clear, guys, and the scriptures, our story, if we really want to hear our story, and that is God will never leave us alone. That God is not confined in some place that we can't get back to or something like that. You know, for centuries and centuries and centuries, people have always wanted to put God in one place, maybe in a tabernacle, put God in a temple, put God in a church building. But here's the deal, God can't be held back by those things. I need you to help me get this message out to the world, all right, and that is our God is way bigger and way more creative and way more desirous of relationship with you that he cannot be held back in any kind of room or any kind of building. Is it great to be together? Yes, it is, but the truth is God is going with us in the wilderness, out ahead of us, around us, and in us, and the message that God spoke to Moses is one that is shaking in my heart, during this season, and that is where God says to Moses, you do not have to carry this alone. Listen to what Numbers eleven seventeen says. God tells Moses in that moment, when he's having a breakdown, when he's having a pity party, when he's shaking his fist at God, God says to him, I'll come down there, Moses. Do you hear the tenderness of our God? I'll come down. Go back and read it. Moses says, what, God, am I supposed to carry these people like my children? God says, I'll come down. I'll come down and speak with you there. And I'll take some of the spirit that's on you, Moses, and put it on them. They'll share the burden of the people with you so that you will not have to carry it alone. So many of us are trying to carry the burden of the people alone. And God says, I'll come down. Let me meet with you there and you will not have to carry it alone. You see what God's doing in that moment way far out in the wilderness. This is actually years into the wilderness. God's putting a lifeline down to Moses. I got you, buddy. I see you. God's reminding him. The thing he said to him back in that burning bush moment is as true in the moment when you're sick of daily bread as it was And so we are at a point now, Providence Church, I'm excited to share with you, to see where God is leading us in the wilderness. He's not leading us back to February. (laughs) I've I've wrestled with him about that enough. But he's providing lifelines to us, just like he provided the people in the wilderness. See, in the wilderness, there was always a lifeline when the people didn't realize it. They thought they couldn't get through the sea, but God made a way through the sea, it was a lifeline. They thought they wouldn't have anything to eat, but God put bread on the ground every morning, it was a lifeline. They had one time they thought they couldn't even drink water, and God made water come out of a rock. It was a lifeline. They wondered where are we going to go and what's the direction for us, and God gave them the t- Ten Commandments. The law was not to restrict them. It was a lifeline to free them. There's, there's, there's never any time that we are to go alone in the, t- in the wilderness. And so I want to share with you now, this is sort of for Providence Church, if you're, you know, joining us as a guest, you know, I hope you'll just kind of listen in to what's going on. And maybe I uh, think this is the church that you want to be a part of as you hear kind of where we think God is leading us with some lifelines that he's putting before us right now. The first lifeline I want Providence Church to be really focused on is prayer. I think that God is calling us to prayer right now in a way that we have never prayed in a way that we've never prayed together uh, corporately. And so we're gonna have to work real hard and be real focused and intentional to pray to God in this moment when we're not as together as we have been in the past. I hope you saw we've started a Wednesday night prayer gathering at 6.30 live on Facebook, a live stream. Pastor Mark and I uh, did that this past week and it was a really holy time. We're planning to be with you. We'll have other pastors, other folks with us as we journey through. But I would like for you to make that a part of your routine to join us for 15 to 20 minutes every Wednesday night. If that time's not there for you, you can watch the recorded version. And we're gonna be praying for each other and praying for our children and praying for our schools and praying for our nation and and, and praying against, you know, that coronavirus goes away. We're gonna just be praying all these things together. So I hope you'll make that a part of your routine. Today, I wanna call you to 21 days of prayer and fasting. So starting today, or whenever you're watching this, through August 30th, We're going to be real intentional for 21 days to pray together and to fast. I'd like for you to, if you have this, you know, on your phone or if it's a watch that you use, to put a reminder in at 1117 a.m. or p.m. or both, whenever you're up or maybe if you're up for both. I'm referring back to Numbers 1117 just as a way for us to remember that God's saying to us right now, I will come down to where you are and I'll speak with you. And so if you'll join me, because we're all in different places, but we can know that on 11, 17 a.m. and p.m., you'll be joining with the church in prayer. You will not be alone. You, you will be together in prayer, and we'll be praying together. I also want to urge some of you to consider fasting. There's something that happens Uh, when when the people of God say, I'm willing to give up some things, I'm willing to let go of some things in my life and put my attention and focus on God. It's not magic, it's not a formula, but it is a desperation of the heart of God's people to say, nothing sustains me, nothing feeds me, nothing quenches my thirst like you, God. I'm willing to give up the things that I usually go after. So I'd love for you to think about what is it in this 21-day period that you can fast from Maybe some of you can uh, have, have a day during the week that you don't eat food, or maybe it's one meal a day. Some of you might consider some other things in your life, whether it be Netflix or social media. I don't know what it might be for you that you're saying, I need to let go of that and turn my attention and my focus to God. This won't mean a hill of beans if we don't do this together. And so I'm asking you, will you join me in 21 days of praying and fasting, starting, uh, starting in, this, in this moment? Another lifeline for us that I want to share with you is online worship. So you're like, that's what we're doing right now. Yeah, what I want you to know is that we are going to continue to do online worship. We're going to continue to make this our, our biggest and most full and best worship experience that we can offer you. Some of you have said to me, hey, Jacob, even when we go back to in-person worship, I'm not coming, or I can't come, or those kind of things. And so I just want you to be assured that we will be joining you every Sunday at 8, nine, fifteen, and ten forty-five 45 at prov.church or on demand on YouTube, and we will be worshiping together. You will be connected with the church as we journey through this, whatever stage you may be at or whatever comfort level you may be at at getting back out. Online worship is going to be one of our lifelines that you can count on. I'm excited to tell you today that another one of our lifelines we had for a long time but haven't had for the last several months is in-person worship. And we are planning to uh, be back here uh, for in-person worship in two weeks from today, August the 23rd. We'll have our normal service times at 8, 9:15, and 10:45. So take note that we'll be returning to in-person worship. Uh, in two weeks, August the 23rd. There'll be a bunch more information coming out about that, but what I want you to understand today is that it will be different than it was in February. So I don't want you coming back expecting it to be like it was when we were back in February. No, it's gonna be a lot different. Think of it maybe as sort of like wilderness (laughs) worship for a while. Our services are gonna be 30 minutes long to start. It's better for us to be together for a shorter period of time and will help us prepare for the next service. And here's what we're, we're gonna do. We're going to sing a song of praise together. We're going to hear teaching from the Bible, and we're going to pray. We're going to praise God. We're going to study the Bible, and we're going to pray. That's what we're going to do as a church in this season. And I know that will be different. Uh, We're going to be asking everyone to wear masks. We won't have our kids' ministry back. No donuts, no cucumbers. I mean, it's going to be really different for a while. And we'll be adding those things back in as as we go along. But what I'm asking you to do is to have a heart after God, if you're comfortable and ready to come back, that you'll come, it'll be in a socially distanced way, and we will worship our God. It'll only be about coming together to hear from God. So the way that you can prepare for that is to go uh, to what you can see on the screen right now, prov.church slash save my seat. And so because it's going to be socially distanced, it's going to help us to know who's coming and who needs a seat and how many so we can prepare to have the best experience for you. So you can begin to do that. Every Sunday you'll be able to log on and do the save my seat just so we can know what to expect and, and how to be ready. But we look forward to welcome you back in-person worship. Another lifeline, this is one we've had for a while, but I want you to listen closely, is small groups. So since our church started, we have been gathering in homes in smaller groups of people, which is actually how the church started. And so if you're not yet a part of a Providence small group, we'd love for you to go to our website and sign up to be a part of a small group. This is a great time to do that. We're also thinking that some of you in your small group or maybe with a group of friends or neighbors that you have might be wanting to have an experience of church at your house. Let's say maybe you're not ready to come back to in person but you're just uh, uh, ready for a different experience and gathering some people together. And so uh, we'd love for you to think about being a part of what we might call a house church a gathering where you can watch online worship and then be empowered to teach together and grow together, have communion together. So if that kind of piques your interest, maybe you're just in a place in in quarantine where you've been like, I'm ready for more. I feel like God's calling me to more. Uh, If that house church idea resonates with you, contact Pastor Mark. Uh, You can find his information on our website and he is gonna be putting together and helping you figure out a way to gather people in your home. The last lifeline I wanna talk to you about today is serving others because... This isn't all about us. And our church has never been all about us. And so we're gonna continue to throw lifelines out to other people. We still long to see everyone fed in Wilson County. We still, I can't see any reason that a kid in Wilson County should be hungry right now. And so we are not giving up on the burning bush God showed us, which is I want to see everyone fed in Wilson County. And so you're going to be hearing about more and more opportunities to see people fed. We still want to see everyone free from addiction. Guess what? Addiction and dependence on, on substances has been on the rise during this period, and God's calling the church to be at work in the midst of this struggle. We want to see everyone free. We want to see everyone safe in this community. Guess what? People have been less safe during this time when they've been in their homes and not been around other people. And so the church, we want to come into those gaps. You're going to be hearing about ways that we want to see everyone fed and everyone free and everyone safe and everyone ready. This is a time to pray for our students who we want to see ready for God's dream in their life. We're not giving up on that. The partnership with the schools we're still working with is just different. Volunteers can't go into the schools, but we're here, we're here talking to the schools. Instead of leaning out at this time, we're pushing in to find out what our teachers, what our students, what our administrators need, and we are going to need your help. Here's the deal, guys. The vision of Providence Church is to see those who feel disconnected from God and the church find hope, healing, and wholeness in Jesus Christ. I don't know about you, but I've never felt more disconnected. And so the vision is for us. And the vision is for those out there. The sermon's for me, right? The vision's for me. The vision's for you. And so we will not give up on seeing people who feel disconnected meet Jesus. And we're going to start baptizing people again, and we're going to start seeing people's lives changed again in this place. But it's not just here in your homes, in your workplaces, in your neighborhoods in your schools. Here's a a cool thing, I'll close with this. There was a time that people came to Jesus when he was, guess where, out in the wilderness. These were the Jewish people. And they were so bone tired of waiting for God to show up that they said to Jesus, hey Jesus, our ancestors got bread from heaven. We've heard the stories. They asked Jesus, where's our bread? And you know what Jesus said? He said, I'm the bread. And Jesus is still the bread. And here is a promise. You will never get tired of Jesus. And so this church is going to keep its eyes focused on Jesus. When all kinds of craziness is going on, when all kinds of chaos surrounds us, we're looking at our Lord. And that may lead us through a sea that might split wide open. That may lead us to seeing miracles happening right in our midst. And it will lead to us walking into the promises of God because our God is a way maker and he's still making ways, he's still knocking down walls and he's still keeping his promises. Thank you, thank you God, amen.